love of Jesus is the greatest love we can ever know. It is unconditional, life-changing and transformational. As a movement, our mission is to share his love to all by caring for people, creating faith pathways, building healthy communities and working for justice. When people are suffering and battling through life's troubles, we can show the love of Jesus by caring for them with dignity and respect and without discrimination. Even a small act of kindness can lead to a spark of hope. When people see a red shield, they should know that this is a place where they can have their physical needs met and where they can find a pathway to know God. Let us seek every opportunity to graciously demonstrate our faith in words and actions, offer prayer and give encouragement to explore the love of Jesus. When we build healthy communities in our local areas, we should look to the image of God as our example to follow. Father, Son and Holy Spirit in healthy community with each other. A generous, welcoming, inclusive, loving and safe community. And when there are iniquities and unjust social systems, we will not be afraid to speak out, nor tire of working for justice, to live, love and fight for others. Advocating is another way to show the love of Jesus for others. In God's eyes, we are all of great and equal value, and we flourish best in a world that's fair and equitable. The Salvation Army is committed to living out our mission in all that we do, as we care for people, create faith pathways, build healthy communities, and work for justice, transforming Australia one life at a time with the love of Jesus. Simple. Go and do it. If only it was that simple, actually. Hey, so I've been on holidays, and one of the things that I like to do on holiday is watch movies. Uh, throughout the year, people recommend movies to me, and I put them on a list, and I load them onto my iPad or computer and take them with me on holidays, where I finally find the time to be able to watch it. One of the movies that I watched was A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Has anyone seen that? No? None of our American friends? Oh, Brooke has. There you go. Brooke's not American, but she's seen it. Um, the story is touching, inspirational, brilliant, challenging, and if you have not seen it, I suggest you go and see it based on a true story of a hard-hitting journalist who was assigned to write a short profile piece on a beloved children's television icon in the United States, Mr. Rogers. Based on real-life events, Mr. Rogers, I, there, there is no one I can think of who better embodies the story and the care for people illustrated by the Good Samaritan. Here are some quotes from his long-running TV show and other media uh, appearances he made. There are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way is to be kind. And he said, real strength has to do with helping others. Well, the movie shows how in real life, 
Fred Rogers went above and beyond in caring for this journalist. A journalist who was almost antagonistic towards him at the beginning. A journalist who was jaded, cynical, sarcastic, angry and frustrated. Mr. Rogers spent his personal money, time, emotional energy and effort in caring for this journalist, inviting him into his home for meals and chats. The result was healing and wholeness. It is a true modern-day story of a Good Samaritan. Turns out to have happened in real life. Okay, so turn with me to chapter 10 of the book of Luke, if you've put it away, bring it back, flick back in your phone. A religious scholar challenges Jesus by saying, what should I do? What should I do to inherit eternal life? What should my mission be to achieve what you believe I should achieve? How should I live my life? Jesus knows the guy is a lawyer, so turns the question back on the lawyer. And he says, what does the law say? He says that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence. And that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, says Jesus, go and do that. Do that and you will live. Love God with everything you have. Well, we will talk about that in the next two weeks as we explore the, the next two aspects of our mission and our endeavors. And then he says, and meet the needs of your neighbor with all the force, the joy, the speed, the power with which you meet your own needs. If you stop and think about it, that's a fairly huge task with everything. Be as happy for them when their needs are met as you would be for yourself. And the lawyer thinks about it for a moment and he gets a little bit concerned and he does what a lot of lawyers are paid to do and he looks for a loophole. And just how would you define neighbour? The lawyer is really asking, what's the minimum requirement? You know, it's a question we too ask ourselves, it's a natural question to ask. What are the, what are the limits on this? What are the KPIs? What is the absolute core of what God means when He says to love thy neighbour? What is the bare minimum God is looking for when He gives us the mission to care for people? Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And He tells a story where the hero meets basic human needs through deeds. It's a powerful story. It's been repeated over and over throughout history. Well, since Jesus told it. You'll find references in Rembrandt and Van Gogh, Les Miserables. Henry Lawson wrote a poem about it. The story shows up in kids' TV, Adventure Time. Anybody like Adventure Time? Yeah. It shows up in TV shows like Better Call Saul and movies like The X-Men. All of these grip our attention and our understanding because this story is so magnificent and it's such a huge challenge. And yet it is natural for us to try and limit it, to try and understand it, to put boundaries around it. 
We try and limit the who, we try and limit the when, and we try and limit the how much. It's just natural and normal human behaviour. But each of them is addressed by the story that Jesus tells. You see, we, we limit our care, let's look at this, we limit our care for people by limiting who we care for. And that's natural and normal. It is natural to care for people who, who are like you, who like you, and who you like. This is, um, you see it all over the place, right? You, you find the most energetic supporters of the Salvation Army's drug and alcohol recovery services, the people, that, you know, the, the, the people who serve, who volunteer, who work, who give, those are the people whose lives have been touched by addiction. That's normal. We tend to care for those who are like us, and we relate to them. We feel like we understand them and they understand us. But this story says we need to make sure that we're not limiting our caring in that way to just those we know and relate to. The story is based on two characters who, in other times, in other circumstances, would be mortal enemies. Actually, no, that's not true. They are mortal enemies. It's just that for the Jews and the Samaritans, if it wasn't for the Roman Empire clamping down on them, enforcing peace, then the Jews and Samaritans would be at each other's throats in the same way that the Israelis and the Palestinians are today. They would have been at war. And Jesus wants to remind the lawyer and us that our mission is to help anyone in need. Our mission to care for people regardless of whether or not they believe what we believe, act like we act, look like we look or speak like we speak. Indeed, whether or not they even like us is irrelevant. Our mission is to care for people. No limit. Sometimes I feel it's natural for us to limit when we care for people. It's typical, right, to hear people say something like, well, look, I'm all for caring for people. You know, when, when someone's house is burnt down in a bushfire or carried away in a flood, I'll help them, I'll give to that cause, I'll turn up on work crews and I'll help dig out mud, I'll serve on Salvation Army emergency trailers, I'll serve down in evacuation centres for bushfires, I'll get involved, I'll do that. But then, sometimes... It's not about bushfires and floods. Sometimes it's just that, just those people, right? Do you know those people? I don't think we should care for them. They're stupid. They're stubborn. They're irresponsible. They're foolish. They break the law. They brought it upon themselves. I don't mind helping, but only when they get themselves sorted out. When they stop making dumb decisions. When they stop doing stupid things and having run-ins with the law. That's when I'll help them. We tend to limit when, don't we? It's normal, natural human behaviour. I know it's not any of you, right? But it's normal human behaviour says it in the Bible, doesn't it? God helps them that helps themselves, right? Doesn't say that anywhere. The problem is Jesus doesn't give us a story with that option. 
When the Samaritan comes across the Jew dying in the road, the, the Samaritan would totally believe the Jew deserved it. You know? He's a Jew. He oppresses Samaritans. He spits on Samaritans. He curses Samaritans. They throw rocks at Samaritans. They launch rockets at Samaritans. Or they would if they could. He gets what he deserves, right? Jesus' story doesn't give us the luxury for caring for people only when they deserve it. Maybe think about it this way, right? Over and over again, we say in church, Christ died for you. Jesus died for your sins. But you know what? If Jesus looked down from heaven way back when, BC, and He says, you know, I'm only going to help those who deserve it. I'm only going to go to earth and die on a cross, shed my blood for those who deserve it. He could have saved Himself a trip because there ain't no one. Unless you want to be the first to claim that you are worthy of such a sacrifice. And that's just the point, isn't it? How Paul writes it. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We live out our mission to care for people by caring for anyone and everyone, regardless of whether or not we like them and whether or not we think they deserve it. And thirdly, we often find that we limit our care for people by limiting the how much. We have a tendency to say, well, you know what, if I had more time, if I had, if I was doing better financially, if I could afford it, then maybe I would do something more to help. But no, I'm just too busy. I've just got these commitments. I'm not making enough. I've got exams. I'm committed to other things. Jesus puts the story on this dangerous road. A road that has parts of it known as the pass of blood. This is not a nice place to travel. And you would only travel it in absolute necessity. This guy is beaten up, mugged, left by the side of the road, close to death. But do you know what that means? It means that it only just happened. No mugger or thief in that day was going to leave someone alive to testify to who they were, to identify them. The only reason they would have left him was that they were just left and they knew he'd die pretty soon. The priest and the Levite, in some ways they're kind of smart. They knew there's extreme danger. They knew what it was a dangerous section of road. They knew there were thieves still nearby. They crossed over and hurried on because it was the safest thing to do. That smart to stop and help could be fatal. But when the Samaritan comes, he stops and genuinely risks everything. It's an incredible sacrifice. On top of that, he hands over his credit card and all that sort of stuff, gives whatever it takes, but he puts his whole life on the line. Think about this. Think about how caring for people is expressed in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, 
and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, if you're caring for someone, or about someone, and it's not costing you anything, if you're not really sacrificing it, it's not really much of a burden on you, is it? But if it's not costing you in time, attention, energy or finances, then it's not a burden. You're not really carrying someone else's burdens until it costs you something yourself. And many times when people say, I can't afford to give, what they mean is that I can't afford to give without being a burden, without it being a burden on me, without it hurting my lifestyle, without it costing in my standard of living, without it being a sacrifice. And Jesus says, yep, exactly. That's the challenge to care for people. We live our mission to care for people, caring for people that we would normally hate the sight of, caring for people who would spit on us. We care for people who don't deserve it. Stupid people who brought their own difficulties on themselves. We are to care for people by bearing some of their burdens ourselves, by caring sacrificially, significantly giving of our time, resources, energy and energy and effort and attention. There are no limits in this story, the way Jesus tells it. So, let me check in with you. How are you doing? Anyone feeling a little bit guilty? Really? Do we have to go over it again? Anyone feeling just a little bit of guilty about their lack of involvement, their lack of concern or their lack of generosity, lack of engagement with the poor. Anyone feeling a bit guilty? Well, stop. This story was not about making us feel like we need to serve more, to give more. It's about getting us to care more. Our mission this is a very significant change and I actually really, really appreciate it, right? Our mission is not to serve suffering humanity, it is to care for people. That's significant, right? Because you can serve someone out of a duty or an obligation or because you're being paid to, but you can't care for someone for anyone, unless you develop a compassion, an empathy, an understanding. It is the love of Jesus that will transform Australia, not our capacity to serve. It is the love of Jesus streaming through us and enveloping every action we give every action we perform, every service we offer, it is the love of Jesus that drives those things that will transform Australia. Otherwise, Centrelink can do it, to be honest. But it won't transform Australia. 
In this story, the lawyer and us are not, uh, we're not asked by Jesus to put ourselves in the shoes of the Samaritan. You know, he, Jesus is not challenging us to do better at being Samaritans. That's not our place in this story. Did you notice that? The original question to Jesus was, who is my neighbour? And Jesus says, what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbour to the man attacked by robbers? Who is my neighbour? The man attacked by robbers is where we are in the story. It's also a bit interesting to note that the Jewish lawyer can't even, be, can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. So he says, the one who showed mercy, the one who showed kindness. But you see, we will only be able to show true care and true compassion once we understand and have received the care and compassion shown to us by God. Jesus' story teaches the lawyer and us that, here's the point, we must know care to show care. Do you like that? It's a nice, nice little bit of rhyme, yeah? Can you remember that? We must know care in order to show care. Oh, come on, that's good, right? I came up with that. Are you going to remember that? Or are you just going to remember my arrogant statement? All right, whatever. Once we know and understand our own unmerited, undeserved care from God, once we know that we have been in the place of the broken, beaten person, the wretch, if you like, only then will we truly be able to understand and relate and empathize and care for others, others who perhaps we hate or who hate us. It is only through that understanding that we will gain the strength, the love, to be able to pour it out in situations like that. So, here's our response this morning. I wonder if you would stand with me, if you are able. And we are going to sing a verse, one verse, of a song which I think you know, it's called Amazing Grace. Would you stand with me? Anne's going to help us, because otherwise my voice would just go away. See, this song reminds us that we are recipients of God's amazing grace. And, and I don't know, but in funerals and things around the world, they sing this song, and kings and princes and people sing this song, and I wonder whether they understand what they're singing, and they think about what they're singing, because they sing, what a wretch like me. Do you have that mentality that you are a wretch saved by God? Do you have that humility? Can you approach others who you might hate or who hate you, who don't look like you, who don't believe like you? Can you approach them with that humility, with that grace and with that love? Let's sing together as we remind ourselves of who we are. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
pray the prayer of St Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me offer pardon. Where there is doubt, may I bring faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not seek to be consoled, but rather to console. May I seek not to be understood, but to understand. May I not seek to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive, in pardoning that we are pardoned, and in dying that we are born to eternal life. May that be our attitude, our mindset, as we seek to serve others. Sorry, sorry, wrong choice of words, right? As we seek to care for others under the guidance, direction and influence of the most holy God. Amen.